as you look at your life right now, and I'm, I'm speaking to Do you see evidence that that's happening? Your devotion to Christ is growing. You know, think about your life last year at this time until today. And your devotion to Jesus as his follower. Can you see evidence that there's been growth? Evidence that your devotion to him has grown? And third, as you look at your life today... Right now, do you see Christ-likeness growth? Do you see evidence that compared to last year in February, you are in some way more like Jesus than you were a year ago? Uh, maybe it's in your speech. Maybe it's in your actions. Maybe it's in your attitudes, your way of thinking, your perspective, how you treat people. But is there any evidence that you have experienced growth in becoming more like Jesus? Now, we've been talking about ways that you can examine your life to answer those questions. And what we've been doing is talking about different relationships that we have. And uh, I think if we look at them and examine those relationships, we can see evidence or not see evidence of transformation, devotion, growth, becoming more like Jesus. And so in the last weeks, we've talked about six relationships, and I've listed them there on your study sheet. We talked about our relationship with God. You can look at your relationship with God and determine how you're doing in your growth, in your uh, devotion in your becoming more like Jesus. Just look at your relationship with God and examine it. Secondly, your relationship with God's Word. To just think about your relationship with the Word of God, His message to you, His revelation to you, and look for evidence that that relationship has grown, that you've grown in your devotion to God's Word, in your commitment to it, in the way that uh, it plays a part in your life. You can look at that relationship. We talked about our relationship with God's people, with God, with His Word, with His people, your fellow believers. You can look at those relationships to see if there's evidence of growth, of change, of being more like Jesus. Just think about your relationships with each other. Do you see growth in your devotion to Christ? Signs of that in how you relate to other believers. Then we talked about our uh, relationships in family, in our families, our marriages, our parent-child relationships, uh, even relationships with your siblings in the home. If you honestly examine your relationship with family, you should be able to see the presence of spiritual growth, becoming more like Jesus, changing. 
as you see how you're doing in your family. Then last week we talked about our relationship with the world, and specifically the system that's around us, this this system of the world that's contrary to God, contrary to his truth, contrary to his word, even opposing him. We live within this system that surrounds us. But by looking at our relationship with the world, we can see either evidence or no evidence of how we're doing in our devotion to Christ, our growth to be more like him. And then we talked about our relationship with the lost, with those who live in this world who do not know Jesus, unbelievers, who need Jesus. What's our relationship like with them? Can we see anything in those relationships with unbelievers that give evidence that we are actually growing in our relationship with Christ, that we are more devoted than we used to be, that we are becoming more like Jesus as we relate to unbelievers who need him? And so that's what we've been talking about. And uh, I hope that you've actually taken the time each week to examine those relationships and just ask God to show you through evidence in those relationships how you're doing in becoming more like Jesus, how you're doing in your devotion to Jesus. Is it growing? How you're doing in being transformed by the work of God in your life. So that's what, that's what we went through uh, in these weeks. Um, now I want to just uh, talk to you, and you're going to need this sheet. Most of you hopefully got this sheet, this color in your, uh, in your bulletin. And uh, I just want to take you through some things on this sheet. Uh, many of you already know this stuff. You're familiar with it if you've been here long enough. Others, first time you've seen it. And... Uh, this will give you a good idea of what our church is all about, or at least what we're trying to be all about. Uh, our church has a framework. There is a framework under which we as a church have committed to serving and working and functioning as a church community. And uh, this sheet is the framework. And you'll notice on it, there's a triangle that has Christ at the top, Jesus, head of the church, final authority in the church. At the bottom, at the foundation of that triangle, we have doctrine, our major beliefs, not all our beliefs, but the major ones that we stand on firmly, and uh, they're listed there for you. On the right side of the triangle, you have purpose, and uh, we have a purpose, why we're here as a church. To the left of the triangle, we have what's called core values. And there are 13 things that we believe are core values that we should hold to and practice as a church community. And then in the middle, which is where we've been the last few weeks in the series, is our vision, our vision statement, what it is that we look ahead and picture as where we're going. This, this is what we want to be working toward as individuals and as a church. And the vision statement is, as it says there, transformed lives, fully devoted followers of Christ. When we look out in the future, 
That's where we want to be moving toward. We want to be people. We want to be a church who are experiencing transformed lives, growth, change in our lives, and becoming more fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's the picture out there that we're looking at, and that's what we want to move toward as a church and as individuals. Because we're the church, right? If it's not happening in our lives individually, it's not going to be something that's happening as a church collectively. And so our series has been looking at that vision. Not all of these parts, but just the vision. Understanding what that is, and like I said, looking at relationships that we can examine to see how we're doing in following our vision. The purpose of our church, we've been talking about vision, so we're pretty familiar with that. The purpose of our church is what I want to just talk about for a few minutes. Um, Another time we'll talk about the doctrine. Another time we'll talk about the core values. Another time we'll talk in detail about Jesus being the head. But uh, we've talked about the vision. I just want to make some comment about our purposes, as you see there. Um, You can take our purpose as a church and put it into four words, and they all start with the E, so it's pretty easy to remember them. But um, the words are exalt, edify, equip, and evangelize. And so that's our mission statement. It's, it's our purpose uh, to edify the saints, equip workers, and evangelize our world so that Christ may be exalted. That's what's supposed to cause a church to be different. A church is not supposed to be like every other organization in the community. A church of Jesus is to be different. And it will be different if it's following this kind of purpose, the kind of vision we've been talking about, the kind of purpose that we have here. So let's just uh, comment on each one of these pieces of our purpose. Uh, first is to exalt Christ. Um, and uh, that's so important because Christ is the head of the church. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Jesus. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for what he did on Calvary. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for his taking our place and paying our sin penalty so that we could have a relationship with God. We wouldn't be here today if he hadn't conquered death and risen from the grave, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the salvation that Jesus provided by grace for us. And so it makes sense (laughs) that the purpose of the church is to exalt him, to exalt Jesus, not to exalt some men or women, not to exalt some building, not to exalt some programs, not to exalt anything but Jesus. What does that mean? It means to lift him up. It means to draw attention to him. It means to give him praise and thanks. It means to worship him. It means to honor him. That's our purpose, that everything that goes on in this church exalts Jesus. 
Do you know of any other organization um, in typical communities whose purpose is to exalt Jesus Christ? Um, there might be some parachurch organizations. They're exalting Jesus. But when it comes to typical organizations in a community, if you look at their purpose, it really isn't to exalt Jesus. And so, Jesus has given his church. And I'm not sure all churches are exalting Christ or how they're doing, but we need to think about us. And that's part of our purpose that we need to be fulfilling is to exalt Christ. Uh, Edify the saints. Saints referring to believers, followers of Christ. The Bible calls us saints. And part of our purpose is to edify the saints. To edify, well, it comes from the word edifice, a building. To edify is to build. And that's part of our purpose. It's to exalt Christ. It's to build up Christians to help them grow in their walk with Jesus. Not tear them down, but build them up so that they might mature and grow and be transformed, be more like Jesus, be more devoted to Him. As a church, our purpose is to help Christians grow, to edify them. Uh, Another part of our purpose is to equip workers To equip simply means to train, to encourage, to help, to prepare people for ministry because all of God's people need to be involved in ministry. And so that's part of our purpose. And then, of course, to evangelize our world, to introduce people all around us to Jesus, to build relationships with the lost. And in those relationships, look for opportunities to share our faith, to introduce them to Jesus. Evangelism. And if we're edifying the saints and equipping the workers and evangelizing our world, Christ will be exalted. And so that's, that's our purpose. And... Uh, The reason I spent some time on our purpose is that I really believe that, uh, like all of these on that framework, these two, our vision and our purpose as a church, work together. They're not two different things that have nothing to do with each other. Our vision, transformed lives, fully devoted followers of Christ, and our purpose to exalt Christ and edify believers and equip believers to serve and introduce Jesus to those who need him. Those two things go together. They go together. And they work together in a church setting. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians 4. This will be our main scripture this morning in this review. Ephesians chapter 4. And in this chapter, the Apostle Paul is talking about the church. And I just want to read through it slowly and uh, with you notice some things that go along with our vision that we've studied about and our purpose that I just quickly took you through. 
And as we go through this, I want you to notice some things Paul says that fit with our vision and our purposes. So starting in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. He gave to the church these skilled people, gifted people. Why? To do all the work? Well, look what it says. He, he gave those people, verse 12, to equip. There's the word. To equip his people for works of service, to do the ministry. And so you see the idea here of equipping. And the purpose of that equipping is so that the body of Christ may be built up. And there's edify. To edify the body. And so God has given gifted people to the church who can equip Christians in that church, that local church, to do ministry, to serve, to use their gifts, their skills, to serve each other and build each other up. And we continue to do that, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. What is maturity? Become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what's the maturity that Paul's talking about? Christ-likeness. That's the maturity. The more we become like Jesus the more mature spiritually we are. That's what Christian or spiritual maturity is. It's becoming more like Jesus. And as we minister to each other, as we edify, as we help each other grow, and as we equip each other, prepare each other, encourage each other to use our gifts and and skills to, to serve, our desire is that people begin to become more like Jesus, to be maturing. He goes on, verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. We need to become people who know what they believe, who believe the Word of God and are firm on that and stand on that and live that and aren't the kind of people that just with everything that comes along, every new thing, every new idea that comes along, they jump on the bandwagon, whether it's truth or not. And there are a lot of Christians like that. But the idea of growing, the idea of becoming more like Jesus, the idea of being built up, the idea of Um, serving as Christians is to get us to the point where we know what we believe and we're able to stand firm on what we believe. And that comes through the edifying. It comes through the equipping as we minister to each other. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow, so there's growth again, to become in every respect the mature body 
the Christ-like body, of him who is the head, top of our framework sheet, Jesus Christ. And from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows. There it is again, growth. And builds itself up in love, edifies, there it is, as each part does its work, as each believer in, in the body of Christ or in a specific local church does its part, is working, using their gifts, using their abilities, their skills, to build up each other, to serve each other, to encourage and equip each other to serve. So really what Paul is doing is he's talking about the very same things that we have seen uh, years ago, actually, before this framework was put together. And now those are the things that give us direction. Those are the things that um, determine what we do and how we do it and why we do it. Everything we do as a church needs to be for these purposes and to move toward that vision. And it doesn't matter what it is. If it's, a, if it's a Sunday school class, there needs to be equipping of saints. There needs to be equipping people to serve with their gifts. There needs to be uh, learning how to share our faith and build relationships with unbelievers. And every Sunday school class needs to exalt Jesus and help the students, whatever their age, to grow and be more like Jesus. And every other thing, the worship, um, every ministries team we have and, and the things that they are uh, responsible for, all of it needs to be working within this vision and this purpose. And if they aren't, we aren't the church. As simple as that. But beware. Um, if we're on board with this vision, and I hope you are, I hope quite a few of you are, on board with this vision, transformed lives, fully devoted followers of Christ, moving that direction as a church. If, if we're on board with this commitment to our purpose, to exalt Christ, to edify, build up believers, help them grow, to equip believers, encourage them, train them, help them to use their gifts and skills to serve. And of course, if we are introducing Jesus to those who don't know him, if we're committed to those things, that vision and that purpose, watch out. Watch out. Because there will be forces, people that will try to lead us astray from that commitment. To lead us as individuals astray from that commitment, but also to lead us collectively as a church astray from that commitment. There are churches who at one time had that commitment, the kind that we're just talking about, and they've been led astray collectively. And that can happen to us or, or any church. We have to beware. Uh, take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11. This kind of gives that same warning. 
Verse 3, 2 Corinthians eleven three. Paul says this, and there's very few times Paul says he's afraid, okay? Paul didn't tend toward fear, if you've read enough about him. But here's a time where he expresses fear. He says in verse 3, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion. There's the word, devotion to Christ. Our vision as a church is about devotion, right? That God would be changing us and growing us to the point where we would be moving closer and closer to being fully devoted followers of Jesus. If that's our commitment, there are forces that will try to lead us astray from that, from that sincere, pure, simple devotion to Jesus. We have to watch out for that, individually and collectively. There are um, large clothing stores in a lot of the bigger cities, and maybe you've seen it, where along the sidewalk where they have all their big windows, instead of having mannequins uh, wearing the clothes that they sell in the store, they will hire models, real people, to put the clothes they sell on and stand or sit in the window. Has anybody ever seen that? It's usually in the bigger, larger stores in the large cities. And uh, so you can be walking down Street, Fifth Avenue, New York, or maybe Chicago or L.A., and you come by this, this big clothing store, and in the window, it looks like mannequins. But if you stand there and watch close enough, you can see them breathing or maybe even blinking an eye now and then because it's actual people hired to, to model these uh, items of clothing. And you know, people will be people, right? It's very common that at these stores, you will see a group of passers-by standing at the window looking at these models who aren't moving, whatever position they're in, they're not moving, but the passers-by can't help it. They start trying to get those models to move, to smile, to prove that they're real people. And so uh, they'll stand at the window and they'll make faces at these models. They'll pound on the window. Kids will press their lips and nose up against the window. They'll make these gestures and all these things to try and get these models to respond. And you know what? It's very rare that these models respond. People try and try, 
and I'm sure they have fun trying, but they can't get these models to respond. You know why? Because these models have a purpose. They are working, following the instructions of their employer. And they are doing exactly what their employer hired them to do. And they are so committed to what the employer wants them to do. They are so committed to their focus that no matter what these kids or even adults are doing outside the glass, they're going to stand firm. They're going to stand firm. They are not going to let those outside the glass distract them. As Christians and as churches, we cannot let what's outside the glass distract us. We have a master. We have someone called the head of the church. We have Jesus Christ who has given us a ministry. He has given us the truth to hold to. He has given us uh, our part and our role in this world as individuals and as churches. And there are going to be people and forces and systems, whatever you want to call it out there, on the other side of the glass, and they're going to be doing whatever they can to distract us and take our focus off what our vision should be, off what our purpose should be, off what our beliefs should be, off what our core values should be, off the head, Jesus. So if we make commitments like this, if, if I'm committed to being a person who wants to grow and let God change me so that I can be more devoted to Jesus than I am now, I have to be steadfast. I have to watch out for what's outside the glass and all the efforts to cause me to stray and lose my focus and, and uh, those things. And the same with us as a church. If, if we are committed as a body to these things, this vision, this purpose, we have to know that there are going to be forces and people and ideas outside the glass that are going to try and distract us and get us to go astray from those commitments. We need to stand firm on our commitments. So, that's, that's kind of where we've been the last weeks, if you haven't been with us. Just talking about our vision. Transformed lives, fully devoted followers of Christ. That's the direction we want to be going. Um, and that works together with our purpose of being people who exalt Jesus, who edify each other, help each other grow 
equip each other, train, prepare, encourage, uh, motivate each other to use our gifts and our abilities and our skills to serve. And, of course, people who are introducing others to Jesus, the lost. That's our commitment to our vision and our purpose. And I know many of you already have that commitment. And uh, so maybe just to make me feel better and uh, our leaders feel better, um, if you have the same commitment, both personally in your own life, that that's your vision to change and grow and become more fully devoted to Christ, and if you are not only committed collectively as part of this church, but individually it is your commitment to be involved in helping believers grow, encouraging them and helping them to serve, introducing Jesus to people who don't know Him, and you personally committed to exalting Christ in everything. Um, if that's your commitment, I'd like to just see it visually. You don't have to say anything. But could you just stand as a way of acknowledging that's my commitment. I'm on board with that personally. And if you're from this church, collectively as a body. And make sure you mean it. Because it's no good if you're just a hearer and a claimer of that commitment, but you're not doing anything in your life to move toward that. You know how important that is, right? There's a difference between saying, I'm committed to something, and actually giving evidence in the way you live and the way you function within a body of believers. This is wonderful. Um, now that I've seen you stand, huh, you're in trouble. <laughs> because now I and many want to see you live this out. Focus on it, because on the other side of the glass, as soon as you leave here this morning, you're going to start finding forces and people, ideas, philosophies, that are going to try to get you to go astray from this simple, sincere, pure commitment that you say you have for yourself and for the body of Christ that you're a part of in a church. And so, like me, you need help. <laughs> we need help to stand firm, right? Anybody here think they can do it on their own? No. This is a high calling, and this is a big commitment. So we need help. We need to pray. We need to pray for each other. We need to reach out to God and depend on Him. And I tell you what, <laughs> if everybody standing here follows through, can you imagine the impact on your life personally, the impact on your church, and the impact on your community and the people who don't know Jesus. 
I want to pray for us. Let's pray. Our Father, I thank you for this sight before me to see so many stand and say, I have this commitment. I'm on board to grow, to become more devoted to Christ in my life. And I'm on board and I'm committed to help my church be that. I thank you. It's encouraging. But Lord, I'm also, and you are also, realistic. And we know that not everyone standing will follow through. And so, Lord, we just ask for help. We ask that you, by your Spirit living in us, would help us to stay true and firm and focused on our commitments to grow, to let you change us, to become more like Jesus, to become more and more devoted to Him, and to play our part in your church. Whatever our church is, equipping and evangelizing and exalting you will be taking place in whatever church we're involved in. So, Father, we depend on you. We need you. And, Father, may you work in our lives and through our lives to fulfill these commitments we've made. Thank you. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for reminding us of your word. Thank you for reminding us of all these relationships where this commitment needs to be lived out. And Father, we trust you to bring about through these commitments whatever you choose and whatever gives you the most glory. In Jesus' name, amen.